you are listening to Single Service. My name is Arno Martire, and I am your host. Single Service is a podcast dealing with design, architecture, business, and city building in which I interview an expert on a specific subject matter. Together, we dive into that topic and challenge conventional thinking in a thought-provoking conversation. I sincerely hope that you will find these conversations as engaging as I did and learn a thing or two in the process. Don't forget to send us your comments, criticism, and praise. To do so, you can email us at hello at rvltr.studio or leave a comment online. You can also subscribe to the podcast on our website at rvltr.studio. Jonathan Nodrick is the founder of Rollout, a custom wallpaper company. Jonathan started Rollout over 15 years ago with the vision to create a company where creativity could strive, a place where integrity and art could coexist with great design to make a viable commercial enterprise that would have the power to invigorate, inspire, and shake up established notions of wallpaper design in the commercial design industry. You may have encountered Rollout in one of the many projects where their wallpapers have been installed, or in one of the many installations they've created for the industry with illustrious partners like the Interior Design Show or Design Milk, among many others. Today, Jonathan and I will talk about making space for creativity, literally and figuratively. So thank you, John, for being on the show. It's a great pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. So can you start by telling us who you are and what you do in three sentences or less? Um... I tell people at uh, when they meet us at, at work for the first time that I cut the checks and I put out the fires. Um, I, I would say I'm the, the creative vision for our company. There's a lot of visions that uh, are creative together with us, but I'm the one driving forward, uh, innovating in wallpaper design. Great. So how did Rollout come about? Came about in quite a, quite a while ago in Vancouver. Uh, I was doing experimenting with large format uh, printing. And came across a substrate that you could feed feed through. It's basically a giant sticker, kind of what peel and stick wallpaper is now. And just started experimenting with printing things out. Uh, put up a giant mural in our in our in our apartment in Vancouver. And uh, Vancouver is a lot. It's called City of Glass because there's a lot of a lot of windows in between you and your neighbors. And people from all over the block were hanging their heads out the windows and, and asking us where we got our uh, custom mural from because at the time not a lot of people were doing it. So we, we, we knew we were onto something creative and fun, um, not really knowing it was a business. But um, pretty soon after the first few installations we did, we started getting calls from um, Mark Echo, Microsoft, or Mercedes-Benz. And, uh, you know, two, uh, my partner was an industrial designer getting her master's degree. And I was a communication designer at Emily Carr. And uh, stepping out of school and having those clients calling you right away was uh, a big push to see how we could develop it further. So what makes it different from, you know, a traditional wallpaper company or any kind of decorative provider? Sure. So um, one thing is we're all uh, practicing designers that work together. So industrial, interior designers. Uh, we work with architects as well. I'm a graphic designer. Uh, but my uh, background, I grew up with uh, two parents that were both a social, social worker and a psychologist. So uh, from a very young age, I learned uh, psychology of space and uh, how space can influence your mood and your activities. And so having that understanding of how you interpret space and use it and how it can help you uh, 
perform in different ways was was it's an underlying theme in what we do. We don't just try to make make cool looking stuff, even though a lot of it's cool. But uh, there is an underlying um, mission in, in in each piece that we make. So creativity is very important to you. Why is it so important, and um, how does that affect the work you do? I think creativity definitely uh, makes me jump out of bed in the morning. Um, gets me excited, inspired. Uh, it's important to do something you're passionate about. And I've spent my, I would say my life uh, being encouraged to be creative. And I, I, I want to continue to do that to other people. Um, I've grown up in a very, uh, a household that there was a lot of music and arts and crafts around. And uh, from a, a young age, my mom, um, she ran a day home where she stayed home and babysat like 20 different kids every day. So, um, that, uh, she, she'd have to find stuff for us to do all the time. So there'd be like craft days all the time. And, um, she's very hands-on with, uh, creativity and painting. And so it was an environment that, uh, was supportive and allowed me to thrive. So uh, speaking of creativity and, and how that affects your work, how do you, do you work with your partners and colleagues? I would say we're a super, super collaborative uh, organization. Um, we really do uh, see each other as experts in our field. And we're working with artists and designers that are continually pushing the needle forward in their own aspects and in their own industries and, and with their own clients. And so to come together and... Um, draw on all the skills and talent and experience that these people we work with have. It's a, uh, it's creative fireworks. You know, it's a, uh, it's, it doesn't feel like work at all. It's fun. You learn so much about each other and what, what you do and what you create and, wh and why you create it too. So let's take this idea of creativity forward in the future. And how do you envision the future of wallpaper or um, decorative, decorated surfaces in the, in the design world? I've spent a considerable time uh, looking at uh, monitors and screens and seeing if walls become screens, what that means. Um, do we just become a time square of a barrage of imagery being forced at us? Or does it become something beautiful or more subtle? And um, I was very, very interested in that. And we're actually now exploring uh, using 3D graphics and gaming engines to create virtual showrooms that are uh, completely out of this world so that people can navigate real time through spaces and change the wallpaper and change the lighting and change the themes. So that's our, uh, that's our secret project we're working on right now. That's uh, it's, it's coming along great. It's a great team of people we're working with, but still going to be a few months until we can unleash that to the world. Well, I can't wait to, to see that in, in real life. So you just said that, um, you know, the future wallpaper and, as it relates to the development of screen technology could be either a barrage of images and, and movies or, or different things or more subtle. Where do you, do you draw the line somewhere? Is there a difference between the two and where, how would you say um, you can use that technology for positive, to positive effects versus just uh blasting people with images and commercial messages um, more so than we're already seeing? I think it has to do with uh, artistic integrity and curation. You have to have people who are willing to take those risks to slow things down and to make things uh, more experiential rather than 
speeding things up to jam more mess- messages down your throat. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it's a very noticeable difference when you walk into somewhere where it's, it's soothing and calm and somebody's thought about the environment and how it could potentially change and interact with you over time. And um, it's, it's an exciting place to be in, but uh, it's, it's definitely a, a new frontier where there's no, no real rules or limits. Well, that's an interesting development, I guess, to follow in the future. Um, you've already touched on the future of wallpaper and the screen technology. Are there any other projects you're working on that you're excited about and you maybe you can tell us a little bit about? Um, well, I think like one internal project is uh, we're, we're just moving our offices right now and setting up a new studio. And, you know, when we collaborate with, with clients and we tell them, you know, to take, take, risks with us and to, to trust our, our, our vision and, you know, and to actually have a space now where we can show them our last space. That's what we used as well, but it's a showcase of what your vision is and how you, how you want to portray yourself to the world uh, now and in the future. And so to have multiple rooms and spaces and surfaces that we can all curate together into one package of what rollout is um, it's, it's an exciting time for us right now. So, um, are there maybe one or two projects you can tell us about that people might have seen? Um, maybe some some projects you're particularly proud of or that are particularly interesting? Okay, so uh, we worked on uh, Simon's uh, department store. Uh, a few of them with a bunch of different architects and, and designers across Canada. And that was making multiple um multiple styles of murals and patterns for multiple areas in the store that all carried a variety of different brands targeting different people and different age groups. Uh, why I enjoyed working on that, though, is the Simons, uh, the, the company, it really supports Canadian uh, innovation and, and creativity and art. And so to be uh, in an environment like that, that's a, you know, one store is massive, but to be in a few of them across Canada and to be... Um, showcased in alongside a lot of the other Canadian art really made me feel like we were doing something good for good for the industry and good good for um, our country here. And what kind of response did you get from that people seeing that project? Uh, We went to some of the opening parties and we would go with our our crew and, and just to have us as a team show up and to see all the different spaces we worked on uh, in, in one environment was rewarding because a lot of the time we're designing things on computer screens and printing out, you know, s- small scale prototypes, but it's not seeing a full mural installed. And so when you go into an environment and there's 15 different murals you made and you get a, you know, high five the crew and, and remember all of the time and energy that you put into the project and what you've learned from it, it it's a really rewarding experience. Well, hopefully you can uh, send us a couple of pictures of that one. We'll put them accompanying the uh, the podcast interview. Um, so let's talk a little bit of uh, stuff outside of work. What do you do for fun? Um, just, you know, the, the simplest one is is cooking. Um, you know, I find being in a kitchen allows me to be creative, and I, I love food and I love to eat, so it's a win win. Um, I like to explore food. I think, I think I'm pretty fearless in the kitchen. Uh, the, the new space that we're setting up, we're going to set up a, a really good, maybe not quite industrial kitchen, but something where we can experiment with food when we need to get away from the computer screens. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Plus, I also spend a lot of time, I live in a really um, unique building called uh, the Argyle Lofts uh, in, in Toronto. 
and it used to be a bread factory. But uh, it's got so much history, a diverse history. I think it was um, built in 1907 or something like that. And it's got a lot of character, and there's a lot of characters that live in the building. And uh, I spend a lot of time um, improving our building. Uh, As of today, we're replacing five floors of carpet in our our building that as a small creative crew that that lives there, uh, we took it upon ourselves to redesign the carpet and uh, find the contractors to install it. And it's all based on Argyle as a theme, but it's not a, a direct interpretation of it. It's just kind of a loose guiding point. But mm-hmm. it allows us as a, a building to become a community and to curate a building in, in, in a way that it's a theme that people walk in and they see it's it's special. Um, we have a lot of social events that we we. Uh, uh, have had along the time uh, the, along the way we've done art crawls and pub crawls and we even uh, hang out in our laneway every Friday and just connect as as, as a bunch of people who've had a week and they want to share the the goods and the bads and we sit out for a few hours uh, in the summertime it's a lot more time in the wintertime it's pretty quick but uh, we'll have a drink in the laneway and catch up and it's it's been a great way to stay sane during a pandemic and so speaking of that uh, laneway uh, kind of community you've built in the, the Friday parties. How did that come about? Uh, that was in response to uh, we, we were super connected before pandemic happened. Um, and then when it struck uh, and people had to stay, stay apart, we thought as a building we would um, try to have a Zoom meeting so we could all at least see each other. And instantly, as soon as we all got on Zoom together, uh, we just said, this is the stupidest thing for, you know, people who are walls apart from each other. So uh, I said, well, how about next Friday? We just go loiter in our laneway and and catch up that way. And we've had a a great amount of success. It's been a prototype every week. Uh, We change the music that we play. Sometimes we've had people come show us uh, the business stuff that they're they're involved with in the communities. Um, it's a, it's a whole spectrum of people inside our building, but now people from outside of our building come by too, and it's a great way to reconnect in a, in a very safe way. There's a giant laneway with lots of distance, and it's been a really fun ride. Uh, is that open to the public? It's open to anybody who uh, likes to walk through laneways. So what's the the info if people want to show up randomly? Uh, we're behind the Argyle Lofts on Argyle and Dovercourt in Toronto. Um, there's a really good pizza joint across the street that opened, uh, Batty Alley's. Um, and it's just, it's a great neighborhood. There's so much personality and character there. So it's every Friday night. Yeah, we start at 7 p.m. And when it's a blizzard out, we'll come outside for... Uh, quick glass of brandy and cheers each other. And then when it's summertime, we'll play uh, movies in the backyard uh, or in the laneway. And uh, we've had DJs back there and bands play. So mm-hmm. it's a mixed bag of fun. So um, you've lived in a number of different cities. Uh, at least I know of Toronto, Calgary, and Vancouver, and there's possibly a few more. What's... Um, What's your take on each of those, especially as it relates to creativity and, and arts and design? Um, I, yeah, I've lived in Calgary, Vancouver, uh, Toronto, and part-time in New York as well. And from Manitoba originally, my family. Um, I find Toronto for me is just the right fre- frequency. Uh, like I mentioned, I, I really like food. So having all the options of, of things you can eat at any time of the day is, is great for me. Uh, growing up in Calgary most of my life, I found that Weather really brings people together. They've got uh, a lot of snow a lot of the time. And so that brings people into the restaurants and clubs and houses. And so it's a really good social sharing community. 
But something like Vancouver, where it's a you know beautiful West Coast, a lot more people are outside doing activities that I think aren't so. Uh, the kayaking isn't something you can do with 50 people, right? Well, you can, but, uh, you know, I think it's just a different experience. And so bouncing around between all those places, um, I think Toronto's the right frequency, like I said, where you can have good balance in your, um, the food you eat, the experiences you have, uh, the people you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think for me, that's, a, a, that's why I'm here. It's a creative city and, and it's, it just makes sense. Um, what's the ideal art factory? Uh, that's back to the building that I live in. So, um, that's just the, the, the name that we called ourselves. They used to, when I moved into the building, uh, they were rotating pieces of art on the, on the front foyer every once in a while. And, uh, I got involved with them and pretty soon we were doing bigger and better things and, uh, really learning about each other, learning about the history of the building, um, learning about the neighborhood. I, I find when I move into buildings that a lot of the times the neighbors don't really say hi to each other or talk to each other. But by the time I leave, a lot of people know each other and, and uh, there's a lot of friends. And so uh, speaking of that particular building that you've been living at for a while, um, why do you think it's so unique in, in terms of the collection of characters that live there? And there's I've, I've been to some of those laneway parties and I've seen the kind of people who live there and they're literally from all walks of life, all kinds of professions, and they all get along uh, in an amazing way. What do you think, I mean, I'm sure you have a, a big part to play in that because you're a bit of a social glue in general, but what makes this building particularly unique in that sense? And that's something I still, um, I'm still very curious about because I can't really uh, pinpoint the reason for it. Well, one thing... Um that I, I, I realized a long time ago is we had spent a lot of time in London, UK, and most people there in order to survive in, in a downtown environment, they're, you know, banker, accountant, lawyer, um, you know, more of those pr- uh, professions that, um, you know, they pay pretty good, whereas a lot of artists, um, you know, they're starving and, and it's hard to survive. So they're maybe not necessarily uh, as involved in, in, in a lot of the areas, but Somewhere like Toronto, there's such a good balance of artists and creatives, plus uh, bankers and lawyers and accountants, that it's really the, the balances of the word I keep coming back to for here. And, uh, you know, part of it, too, is the neighbors want to have to be engaged and involved. And, you know, it's cool. Like, there's a spectrum of people, and a lot of people don't want to be engaged, and they would just want to do their thing. But there's other people in our building who say, um, you know, we don't necessarily come out and and visit uh, during a laneway uh, on Friday, but we appreciate the work you're doing and we do notice it. And uh, so just because they're not engaged in front of you doesn't mean that they're, they're not appreciative and, and, and taking part in things. And I think part of why that's happened is, uh, like I mentioned before, my mom uh, babysat like 20 kids. So any given day, there was a, a mix of various personalities. And I had to learn at a very young age um, how to navigate relationships and how to see the positive in all, in all the people. And I, I, I was more of a fixer than, than a troublemaker because I knew my mom had her hands full. And so I wasn't there to, to give her more trouble, even though I'm sure I gave her my fair share, but, uh, just trying to be cool with all the kids around and to be, uh, you know, making crafts with them and learning from them and trying to figure out how to make that a harmonious experience. 
Um, and in doing that, you know, I realized I'm, uh, I would say, an in- introverted extrovert. So even though I love bringing people together, the times at home when I was overwhelmed with personalities and, and kids running around, I would go up to my room and close the door and just cocoon and, you know, zone out. And so I really learned the value of having a well-balanced, creative, um, social, but also solo life. So for for anyone who would want to replicate something like that, like not necessarily laneway parties, but um, kind of a creative community-oriented space, whether that's a physical space or a more metaphorical one, what would you uh, suggest they do or look at or, or learn to to get more into that kind of stuff? So I think two key points I would say is creative people need to feel safe in environment in order to perform. And so you have to create somewhere that the people who are working with you, collaborating with you, they know that they're not going to be judged for, you know, sometimes you come up with brilliant ideas, sometimes you come up with stupid ideas, but you need to be able to generate that spectrum of ideas in order to find the right ones. Um, So the second part of, uh, you know, fostering and empowering creativity is I think you got to be okay with uh, making a mess and making mistakes. I think um, you can't learn just from success. You have to learn from all the mistakes. You have to learn from things you haven't seen before or done before. And to show people from leadership all the way down that it's okay to experiment with things, uh, try things out, uh, bring in your own your own personal input into projects, and and to know that if things go sideways, um, that, that it's okay. And I think some of the people we work with, and specifically, uh, we have a, a crew of wallpaper installers, and I, I keep using the, the um, to explain the way it is to work with them, is that they don't come to us with problems, they come to us with solutions. So they're super proactive, and if there's trouble on a job site, it's usually very stressful, and uh, you know, it's, wallpaper is one of the last things to go in. So, if there's a delay, uh, it could cause projects to be delayed, restaurants to not open, and so you got to really have your head on straight when things are going sideways. And for them to come to us with those, um, you know, they're, they're like, "We identified this. Here's some solutions. What do you want us to do?" And in doing that, it allows us to gel as a group, even when things are going horribly wrong. You just feel like you're going to get through and you're going to make it with your team. And and uh, that's it's critical to, to be proactive and not freak out. Yeah, and it's very common to freak out when there's a problem, when, you know, 99.9% of problems can be solved, right? So it's very interesting to see how you you deal with this in the crew and the or collaborators you work with do that. Um Keeping uh, in keeping with the idea of uh, creative space and and creativity, is there anything else you want to add um, to this conversation? Something that's important to you, a message you want to pass on to the the listeners? Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Um, you know, I, I I ask a lot from people to support me in order to do what I do, and so I try to reciprocate that when people are involved with something and even though I may, may not want to go out I, I make an effort to go show up and you know even if I'm not staying the whole night or whatever show up give them a high five let them know that you're you're on their team and you're there to help and I think those are perfect words to end on John thank you very much for your time it was a great pleasure to have you and uh, hopefully we can have more of those conversations I appreciate it thanks
Hey Arno here. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and that you'll come back for more. Please share with your friends and colleagues and remember to subscribe on our website at rvltr.studio. Until next time, ciao.